What an opportunity. Thankful for that song this evening. Nehemiah chapter 2, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. It says this in verse 1 of Nehemiah chapter 2. And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad? Seeing, this, seeing thou art not sick, this is nothing else but sorrow of heart. And then I was very sore afraid. And I said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad? When the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? And so I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant hath found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, sitting by him, for how long shall thy journey be? And when wilt thou return? And so it pleased the king to send me. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into the message. Heavenly Father, I pray that thou wouldst open my mouth wide and fill it. Holy Ghost of God, would you do a work that I cannot do? The only time people are called into thy work is when the Spirit of God moves and calls them. I know the day that you called me into thy work, and I'm thankful that I know that it was you that called me. I pray that there be some people like here tonight that would know that thy voice is calling them. For it is the only one that can truly call someone into the gospel ministry. I pray now that you would bless and use what little I have to offer. And may your name be glorified and uplifted. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we look at the text that we've just read, it's about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. He, uh, in, other, in other words, he had a really nice job. He worked for the king. He, no doubt, probably tasted some food for the king. I think a lot of us would volunteer for that job. But he, I bet you it was a good paying job. He's working for King Artaxerxes. And he's the king of Persia at this time. And we see Nehemiah, he's the cupbearer. And how many of you have had a bad day before? Had a bad day. Now, something about my personality, I have, sometimes people would say that I have a big personality. But there's one thing about if I'm, if something's bothering me, I show it all over my face. If I'm happy, everyone knows it. But Nehemiah here, he comes in to serve the king as he had served him many years. And the king notices that something is wrong with Nehemiah. He can vividly see on Nehemiah's face that he's not sick. What's wrong with him? There's, there's something wrong with you, Nehemiah. This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. You see, this, the king could tell something was bothering Nehemiah. That Nehemiah was burdened about something. And uh, at that day, you couldn't be sad in the presence of the king. In fact, it says that he was very fearful. Um, it says, then I was very sore afraid whenever the king asked him about, why are you so sad? If you were to be sad in the presence of the king, that's a very great offense. And here he was sad in front of the king of Persia, and the king noticed it. And it says, then he was sore afraid. And we see Nehemiah, he wasn't just sad for any reason. Nehemiah was broken over the destruction 
that had come to his land. He was so broken about it that he fasted for four months. Any of us in here volunteered to fast for four months? I doubt it. In fact, we probably wouldn't look too good after four months. I think that Nehemiah, he was drained as he comes into the presence of the king, looking awful. If you hadn't eaten for four months, no doubt none of us would look good. And the king notices this, and he, he, he is broken. The first thing that we see is Nehemiah had a care. Nehemiah was burdened about something. You say, how do you know Nehemiah really cared? Look in chapter 1. Chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hananiah was one of my brethren, came he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and prayed and fasted and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. We see here, what, what was Nehemiah's reaction whenever he heard of the destruction that had come to his land back in Jerusalem? He sat down and he wept. And, and it was in the month of Chislu. Four months later is the month Nisan. And then fast forward to chapter 2. And here he gets questioned uh, of, of why he's sad. So for four months now, he's been fasting and praying. He's so broken over the destruction that's come to his land. You know what we need tonight for some of us? We need to become broken before God. We need to become broken over what we see happening to our lands. Are you broken over the fact that millions of babies are murdered across many lands in our, in our world today? That's a travesty. We ought to, that ought to break our hearts as believers. You know, where sin abounds, destruction always comes in. And we can all say, as we look across this land, that sin is rampant. How many homes do you know that has been broken by drink, by a man who sucked himself into a bottle and his, his children don't have a father any longer? We could go on and on and on of the sin. There's many other things. Sin destroys, does it not? There's pleasure in sin for a season. But then it, it just brings flat destruction. Those who are dead in their trespasses and sins, sin brings destruction. From the, from the very beginning of Ab and Eve, Sin has brought destruction. Uh, they, they, they took of the fruit. They disobeyed God. And, it brought, and, and it, the fall came right along with it. And here, first thing that we see is that Nehemiah, he, he is broken over the destruction that has come to his land. Are we? Are we broken over what's, what's happened? Are we broken over what we see happening around us? You say, well, he just shed a few tears. He just fasted, put on sackcloth and ashes. and He, he, he shed a few tears. He wept. How do you really know that Nehemiah cared? You ever heard the phrase, don't tell me, show me, and that talk is cheap? Nehemiah, he doesn't just tell us here, he shows us. And in these verses here, we see that not only did Nehemiah have a care, but he says unto the king, wherefore the king said unto me, why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart, then I was very sore afraid. And then this is what he said, and said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad? When the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. His city, his people, 
The walls have been broken. The gates have been burned with fire. And don't we have something to be burdened for tonight? I would say more so than Nehemiah. We have, we have something that, that's, that's far more important than the city of Jerusalem that's being cast into the lake of fire. It's the souls of men. The gates might have been burned in, at Jerusalem, but the souls of men are being cast in the lake of fire. We have, those who are dead in their trespasses and sins, they're falling off into eternity without Christ, separated from God. Don't we have something to be burdened for tonight? When was the last time we became so burdened for someone's soul that we wept? We were broken or we fasted over it. Oh, we need to have a burden once again, a burden that moves us to action. Nehemiah, you say, really, how did he, did he really care? He cared enough that it moved him to action to do something about it. Because this next thing that we see is in verse 5, what, what is his reaction to this? And I said unto the king, if it please the king, in verse 5, and if thy servant hath found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. The second thing that we see tonight, I want to preach a message entitled, Send Me. First thing that we see is that Nehemiah cared enough that he was willing to say, send me. He was willing to get personally involved. You say, I love God. Don't tell me. Show me. You love God enough to get involved in his work, to do something about it? Nehemiah loved God enough that he was willing to do something about it. We need some Christians today that they have such a love for their Savior that it spurns them on to do something for Jesus Christ once again. Here, Nehemiah, he, he was willing to get personally involved. He said, send me. He, he could have requested for anything of the king. Could he not have? What a wonderful opportunity. He gets this opportunity of a lifetime. Look in verse 4. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? And so I prayed to the God of heaven. You know what he does? Whenever he gets this great opportunity, he can ask for anything of the king. And what does Nehemiah do? Hold on just a moment, king. I don't think he ran out of the room. I think he began praying right there in front of the king. He, whenever he was faced with probably the biggest opportunity of his life, he prays about it. You know, he, and what do you think he was praying for? He's, God, what, what am I going to do? What do you want me to ask him for me to do, God? We need some people, to, again, that will pray, God, what would you have me to do? And we need their answer to be, send me. He's praying. Oh, he's, Nehemiah was praying about what would God have him to do. We need some young people and old people alike, once again, to pray about what would God have them to do. And may their answer be, send me. We need some people who begin to pray again about asking God, what would you have me to do? You know, Nehemiah, he was just willing. You know what we need in God's work today is people who are just willing. We don't need anyone who's special. We, God could care less if, if you're a great orator. God could care less if you think that you're somebody. All God needs is someone who's willing. Someone who, who's just willing to say, send me. Send me. Nehemiah could have asked for a hundred men. Could he not have? Oh, yeah, king, I'd like for you to give me the hundred of your best men, king. Yep, I'd like them here right now. Send them to Jerusalem. Rebuild them walls of Jerusalem. The best carpenters you got. Yeah, the finished carpenters, all the finished carpenters, all of them. He didn't do that, did he? He asked God, he asked the king, send me. That was his reaction. He was so broken so, that it moved him to do something for God. And he said, he, he, 
He, he was beside himself. He'd fasted. He, he probably looked awful. He says, send me. And we need some people tonight that will say once again, send me. Not just across the world, but down the street. You know of destruction on your street? God, send me. You know of some, some people that need to hear the gospel in your family? Send me. Send me. And here, Nehemiah, that was his request. We'll never say send me until we've, God first breaks us to see the need. We'll never say send me until we're burdened and broken by God. Nehemiah was brought to that point. I believe it was a very selfless reaction, was it not? He could have asked, oh, send, yeah, send somebody else. He says, send me. But you know what everyone wants to do today? Send somebody else. Oh, God, would you, uh, you're not, don't, don't send me. Don't take me from the comforts of my home. Don't, don't, you, don't do that to me. We're gripped by so many things other than God. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you tonight. Too many of us are gripped by too many other things than God. And, and you say, oh, I don't know. It's true. It's because it's, it's by our action. Do you know the measuring stick, stick about Nehemiah here? Do you know how he really cared? It's measured by what he did. Some of us, we talk a big talk. Even I probably talk a big talk. What are we, what are we doing about, about what we see taking place in this world? Are we broke? I was so encouraged, Brother Andrew. I was so encouraged by, by your testimony. And today, we saw the Spirit of God fall in the open air. There's no doubt about it. The harvest is ripe. The harvest field is ripe unto harvest. The field is ripe unto harvest. I believe there's people that want to know how they can go to heaven. That we just need the laborers are few. The laborers are few. There, no one wants to la- labor's work. Some of us don't like hard work, but some of us need hard work. But I'm telling you right now, God desires people to labor in His harvest. That's work. That's that's that's. that's some do something, do some work. We're 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 weak people. We don't like work. We dig a ditch. Oh, somebody else dig the ditch. I don't want to dig the ditch. That's my my worst my worst thing I want to do is dig a ditch. I I send anyone else to do dig that ditch. We need we need people who want to work again. Nehemiah's answer was not send Susie Q, not send Joe Blow. It was send me. We need some more people like that tonight that will say send me, send me. It's a Christ-like reaction. I'm thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be sent to the cross of Calvary for you and for me. Aren't you thankful he was willing to go to die on the cross for our sin? Be willing to be sent to the cross to, to, to be crucified for my sin and your sin. He, did anyone force him to do that? No, he was willing. He did it willingly as a lamb brought before his shears. He willingly went to the cross for you and for I. This, this cry of sin me it's a Christ-like cry. The Lord Jesus was willingly open to being sent for you and for me. And not only do we see here in this passage about Nehemiah being sent, but God may be calling someone tonight to be a missionary. Is he? Is God may be calling someone tonight. If the Spirit's not calling you, then don't go. The last thing we need is some imposter that stands up and says that they're called by God and they've never really been called by God. Someone who knows they've been called by God knows it for a fact. And God may be calling you, and can I say this? You'll never in your life get away from it. You can try. You'll never be fulfilled. You'll never be happy. For as long as you live, you'll, you'll never be able to get away from it. Won't you just give in to God? 
Say yes to God. Nehemiah, here, he, this was personal to him. He, this is what he says in verse 5. Not only does he say, send me, which was a personal pronoun, but look, look, look further. Unto Judah, unto the city of what? Of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. You know how personal this was to Nehemiah? He says, send me to the city of my father's sepulchers that I may build it. This wasn't something flippant to Nehemiah. This was personal. You know who this people was? This was his people. Tonight, we don't even, we need people to go across the world to give the gospel. You know what we need tonight? Some people in this room to become so burdened for their people. Nehemiah was burdened for his people. His, his own. Before I left America, I wrote a poem to my family. I get, and I wanted to give them the gospel. And I wept the entire time. Knowing it's probably the last time I was going to give them the gospel for a very long time. What sort of missionary would I be if I go somewhere else to give the gospel? But I wouldn't even give it to my own family. And I, as I read the poem to them, I, I, I'm thinking, I'm just through tears. And, and I'm thinking, here I am going to share the gospel with others. And there's people in my own family that are lost. I'm burdened for them. I'm, bur- I'm praying for them. Are we, is there a people that you're burdened for? Maybe, there's some of us in this room tonight that need to get on the phone and call somebody they know, some, someone in their family, and give them the gospel again. You say, I've already done that a hundred times. Give it to them again. They need to hear it again. We, we need to be willing to, to go to wherever that is, whether another part of the world or down the street or at a gas station. We need to be willing to give the gospel. It was personal to Nehemiah. Is it personal to you? Has it become personal? Oh, we need God to make it personal to us again. Do we not? I need God to make it personal to me again. The missions conference is the church's business meeting on what they're going to trust God for in the next year concerning reaching the world. You catch that? The missions conference is, God's, is the church's business meeting on what they're going to trust God for in the coming year concerning the world. Tonight, you've come in this tent, maybe this just showed up. We mean business with God. We need people who mean business with God. This is important. We, we, we bring up these, these countries, and you let, we let you see it. I've gotten to see it tonight. I want to go everywhere. I want to go to Zimbabwe. We need some people in this church to go to Zimbabwe. We need some people in this church to go to New Zealand. To whom much is given, much is required. In Oxford Baptist Chapel, much has been given to you as far as missionary efforts is concerned. Had it not been for missionary efforts in this church, there would be no Oxford Baptist Chapel to whom much is given, much is required. And I'm praying that God would send many people from this place. You say, why is that so? Because it's really what God desires. What, is, what does God desire? He desires the entire, the entire world to hear the gospel. But he desires, he's given you much. He's given you much. And he requires much. He requires much. Tonight, may God raise up some missionaries in this place. England, the United Kingdom, was once a leading light in sending the gospel around the world. It was. I say it was. Because now they're receiving missionary aid from other places. And I believe you're reaping what you've sown. You've sent missionaries all across this world. And you've reaped 
that, that law of sowing and reaping, you've reaped what you've sown. People have come back, and they're trying to give you a kick in the pants or kick in the trousers. I'm American. And they're saying, go on. Get up. It's time to be a leading light to send the gospel out once again. It is time. We get a short window to live. Short window. It will soon be past. It will soon be gone. And you'll wish, where did my life go? I'm almost 30. I'll be 60 before you know it. I just, oh, I, just, we, I desire to see God do something with Oxford Baptist Chapel. I desire God to do something in my life. Oh, may we say once again, God, send me. It doesn't have to be around the world. God, send me to the open air. Pe- people are ra- ra- ripe. You say, oh, people just don't want to hear it in this country. People are ripe. The harvest, you know, we look at, when we give the gospel, we think, well, I'm not good enough. Or we think, well, look at that person. They look really difficult to give the gospel to. I, don't think, I think I'll go to this person. He looks a little bit more kind. Whenever all whole time, we should be looking to Jesus and, and looking to the power of the gospel once again and quit looking at everything else around us. We look too much. We think too much about everything else. You know, we should look to Jesus when we give the gospel. Hey, if you struggle with looking at a scary man that's coming up to you in the open air, look to Jesus and preach on. Give the gospel faithfully. It's the power of God unto salvation. There is people in here tonight that's probably not a Christian. I want to tell you, it's the power of God unto salvation. The only, only way that you'll have your sins forgiven is you believe in Jesus Christ. He's died on the cross. He's buried. He rose again. And it's the power of God unto salvation. It's not by power. If you're looking to yourself for salvation, you won't find it. If you're looking to someone else, you won't find it. Look to Jesus and live. Look to him. Look to him tonight. And not only did, was Nehemiah burdened, so burdened that it brought him to do something, he said, Send me, and it was personal to him. It was his people. You have a people tonight that you're burdened for. I'm bur- there's a group of people I'm so burdened for. As much as I pray for my children, I pray for them. You know why? Because I never forget to pray for my children. And it tells me something. If I pray, I go, I'll pray for Noel, pray for Hudson, pray for Adeline. Almost forgot her name. And then I go, and I pray for them. Why is that? God has placed them on me. And if I never get to work with them in any sort of way, I'll be happy to keep on praying for them. Maybe tonight, God, ask God that he just lay people on your heart to pray for, to pray for. Not only did Nehemiah have requests to the king besides send me, which tonight, that's the greatest request we could ever have. The greatest request you could ever have to God is that you're available to him. You say, Lord, here I am. Send me. That's the greatest request. But did Nehemiah stop there? He didn't stop there. That was his first request. But if we're going to be on a mission for God, we have to be having other requests to the king to fulfill our mission. You know, we've been given a wonderful mission, have we not? That's the great commission. That's the greatest mission. And here, Nehemiah, he had some other requests besides send me. Let's read on. Look in verse 7 with me. Moreover, I said unto the king, please listen to this. Moreover, I said unto the king, if it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over Till I come into Judah, and a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make for the beams, for the beams for the gates of the palace, and which appertain to the house, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. 
And then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite heard, it, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. What takes place here in these verses? Verses 7 on. Nehemiah, he's going to rebuild the walls at Jerusalem. He goes, can't, can't build any walls without some timber. Hmm. Could you write a letter to the keeper of the king's forest that he could give me all the timber that's needed to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? Sure. Writes him a letter. He hands it to him. Oh, how am I going to get clear over back to Jerusalem? I'm going to need somebody to convey me across the river. Could you get somebody to, to bring me across the river? Sure. You know what's amazing about this is every single thing that Nehemiah needed for his mission was provided for. The king provided the timber he needed to rebuild the walls. The king provided him transportation to get back there to Jerusalem. He had requests to the king for his mission. Is there things that we have requests to the king of kings for tonight? Are we, is there things we're praying for in God's work? Is it an accident that chapels are being reopened for the glory of God in, this, in, in the United Kingdom? It's not an accident at all. Most of the time, you know what's been happening? People have been praying for years that somebody would take that building and reopen it once again. Hey, somebody's been praying. We need more praying in the work of God. Before God does a work, he sets his people praying. That's what he does. He sets them on their knees. It's not an accident. Do we have requests to the king? Is there things we're praying for in God's work? Is there people you're praying for? I've been praying for some people in my family. We've seen a few of them trust the Lord recently. It's, in, it's amazing. It's exciting. I'm not there. But people, hey, is there things you're praying for in God's work? Nehemiah had a wonderful king. He had requests to him for everything he needed, and the king provided it. And he even gave him more. He gave him some bodyguards. You know what's amazing? He gave him a couple of henchmen to go with him. It says in, in where is this at here? Then I came to the governors beyond the river. Well, it's in there. I'm having trouble reading it. But he gave him a couple of bodyguards. And it'd be nice to have some bodyguards sometimes, wouldn't it? I'm not a very big dude. It'd be nice to have a couple body. I'm one, I would throw the first punch always. Not anymore, I'm a preacher now. But I would, when, I would always, I'd hit anyone. Then I was gone. Gone. And uh, I'd say, Derek, Justin, get in here. I need some bodyguards. Hey, God gives us something better than bodyguards. He gives us himself. The king here, he gave him the timber, gave him the transportation. He gave him a couple of henchmen. And they conveyed him over. And it's amazing to me that God would go with us. You know what God does? He does something better than give us a couple of henchmen. He gives us himself. Aren't you thankful that God goes with us when we seek to serve him? It's, we're not by ourselves. He goes with us. He, he, he's, he's with us. And tonight there could be some young people that, that God's calling to be a missionary. And there might be some parents tonight that are saying this. Not my Billy. Oh, Lord, send somebody else's Billy. Don't send my Billy. Do you not think God cares more for your child than you do? We have a heavenly father. If they're a child of God, he cares far more for your child than you do. I know that's hard to imagine as much as you love your children. Don't you think we have a heavenly father that cares for us? He, he goes with us. Forget the bodyguards here. It's better to have, I'd rather have God going with me than a couple of bodyguards. 
And don't let anything get in the way of going where God wants you to go. Don't let anything. My family for two years said, you'll never go. You'll never go to England. You never will. Don't let anything ever get in your way from going where God wants you to go. As hard as it may be. What does it say? Except you hate your father and your mother, your brother and your sister, yea, in your own life also, ye cannot be my disciple. Tonight, we, we've got some people that love everything. They, they love their family maybe even more than God. They love certain things more than God. Oh, you cannot be my disciple. Except he wasn't saying you hate your father. It says to honor your father and mother. He's saying if you love anything more than me, to not love anything more than me. And he had requests to the king for his mission. Everything was provided. You know, if, if we'll do something for God and branch out, God will provide everything we need to see that mission through. It'll, you don't know where it'll come from, but it'll, it'll, it'll arrive. God provided everything Nehemiah needed here. And notice in verse 12, there's something I want to highlight before we're through. It says in verse 12, And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. Notice what it says there. It's, he didn't tell anyone what, my, what his God had put in his heart to do. Has God put something in your heart to do? If he hasn't, why don't you pray and ask God to put something in your heart to do tonight? Ask God to put something in your heart to do. He had put something in Nehemiah's heart to do. And Nehemiah, we see him doing it. And not only that, but... We see Nehemiah knew it was going to take more than just him. If you look in verse 17, Nehemiah realized something that it was going to take more than just him. Then said I unto them, he's at Jerusalem now, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more reproach. And then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words, that he had spoken unto me, and they said, let us rise up and build, and so they strengthened their hands for this good work. Hold on a minute. It went from what in verses, in the beginning verses of the chapter? It went from that I may build it, Nehemiah said, to what? Let us rise up and build. Let us rise up and build. There's a work to be done in Zimbabwe. There's a work to be done in Morocco. There's a work to be done here. Let us rise up and build and strengthen our hands for this good work. And it was, how, could, how did they know? How could they say that? Because they saw everything that God had provided for it. Whenever you see that what, everything God has provided for his work, it'll get you excited. These people, they said, let us rise up and build. And it went from one person saying that to everyone getting involved. Nehemiah gave him a prod. He said, get up. Quit being a reproach. We need that as Christians at times. Get up. Quit being a reproach to the God of heaven who saved you and made you, given you a purpose. Hudson Taylor, you've probably heard this illustration, but I'm going to say it anyways. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China, and he went around, he wrote this pamphlet called China's Millions. So burdened for China's millions that were, that were dropping off into eternity moment by moment, hour by hour. And he was, he was so burdened and broken for them. He didn't ask for money when he went around on traveling to churches. He would, he would ask them, would you sell all that you have, pack your things in a coffin, and come die with me in China? He said, no one did that. Hundreds of people did that. 
300 churches were started in Hudson, mission stations were started in Hudson Taylor's lifetime. All because people were willing to say, let's build. I'll go. I'll go. I'll quit my job. Nehemiah gave up a great job. There's some people in here tonight need to give up a great job and say, God, I'll go. I met, we've met some people like that in the States. 50, 60 years old, gave up their house, packed up their things, gave up their job. Now they're missionaries. And we need some people to do that once again. We need some people to do that. I just want to share this story at the end of the sermon this evening, and I'll be through. I met a missionary on deputation to West Africa, and he told a story about the first day that he was on the mission field. And it, it was moving. He, he felt God leading him and his wife to go to West Africa. And they went to tell her family. And the mother-in-law of the, of, the, of the wife said, Over my dead body, will you go to West Africa? Over my dead body. It wasn't long where the Lord struck her with an illness. And she passed. A fire came to their home. And I believe... All, if not all, almost all of her family members died. She went to West Africa. The first day on the mission field, they get there. There had been already been, they were going to a new village with the group they were working with. And they'd already been working, but they hadn't hit this village yet. The chief had wanted them to come and speak to them again from this book. And so he went, and he said he got straight off the plane and went, went to that village. And he began to preaching Jesus to them. He said, if, if you'd like to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, go to the, pineapple, the mango tree and the banana tree outside. If you're a lady, go to the banana tree. If you're a man, would you go to the mango tree? And people began to file out of this little building they were in. And as they were filing out and being dealt with, another group would file in. And another group would file out. Another group would file in. Scores of people were coming to know the Lord. They were ripe ready to hear the gospel in that village. And he, he, he said he was so tired, the chief said, would you, would you preach? Every time he'd get done, he'd say, preach to us again from this book through the translator. Speak to us again from this book. And he, he, he speak to us again. He kept saying it. Oh, and he said, sir, he said he felt terrible. I'm so tired. Could you please let me go and get a half hour's sleep or an hour's sleep? And so they took him and he said, take this. And he went out. And they went and they, they napped on the, on, the, on this little teepee of a, uh, in the village, and they laid a bed sheet down, him and his wife. And the wife said, I think God has something for us to do here. I think God has something for us here. About a half hour later, there was a knock on the, well, no, a knock on the tent, flap. And somebody came, and the chief had sent somebody back and said, get him up. Tell him to speak to us again from this book. So he went back in, and he spoke to them again from this book. And, and finally, at evening time, it was dinner time, and People dispersed to eat. The chief walked up to him, and, he, and the missionary said he'd never forget him. He said, would you speak to me from this book? He'd never sat in on a single message yet until the end. He wanted to make sure all of his people heard. Almost the whole entire village accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. His first day on the mission field. Could you imagine? Can you imagine that? Aren't you thankful that him and his wife were willing to say, send me? Aren't you thankful tonight? We need some more people that will say, send me. That lady had never gone, never told her mother, no, this is what God would has for us. She could have been upset that her entire family was essentially cut off. 
but she kept right on serving the Lord. We need some people who will pray, as Nehemiah prayed. What would you have me to do? And their answer be, send me. Pastor, you come along. Thank you, Dylan. Don't you bow your head with me, please, in prayer. We ask God to seal these things in our hearts. And God is using all of all of these things, testimonies and songs and sermons, to deal with us about our willingness to obey Him. Will you go? Maybe you're a bit like that mother-in-law standing in the way. I'd hate to be someone standing in the way of, of the Lord's will and work. Will you go? Maybe you'll speak to the King of Kings tonight and say, send me. Couldn't help but think of our brother Jean. Tonight, Jean stood up and asked us to pray for the country where he came from and said, I'm not going to ask for God to send laborers. I'm going to ask for God to send me. Send me into Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. It's about time we stopped asking God to send laborers and we started asking him to send us. It's about time we stopped asking God to use somebody else to build his kingdom and we started asking him to use us. Let's pray. Father, we thank thee for thy word. We thank thee for thy servant, for this meeting tonight. Seal in our hearts. Seal in our hearts the things we've seen and heard and the way, Lord, that thy spirit has spoken. And I pray that we might be willing tonight, willing tonight not just to say it, but willing also to go. Help us not to shake off, push off, deny, or reject the voice, the voice of the Lord. Prepare us, we pray. For whatever it is that you have called us to. For we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.